Welcome to Theory for Turntables, the TFT podcast. I'm Matt. That's Ryan. Ryan, on this next take, just don't give a fuck. <laughs> Matt, the killer in me is the killer in you. <laughs> and uh, the uh, uh, the album is the Smashing Pumpkins Quadruple Platinum 1993 record, Siamese Dream, uh, released 27th of July 1993, and went on to uh, went on to take over the world. And uh, the um, the uh, brief uh, disturbance that you heard in Ryan's answer there in his lyric, the killer in me is the killer in you is an indication of the Skype album, the Skype problems we've been beating our head against for the last hour. We think we got it. We think we got it solved. Uh, we sacrificed one of the two girls on the cover of the Siamese dream uh, album in order to appease the gods of Skype. And so we're, uh, we're hoping that, that uh, this ensures this, you know, blood sacrifice ensures um, good uh, uh, good podcasting bandwidth for for both of us. So uh, this 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 is a record. You know, I don't know, Ryan. Would you say that this is a record? I would concur. Yes, it is a record. All right. So uh, listen to it. It's uh, it's um, about an hour three minutes long. Uh, it's not if you skip. Um, silver fuck, which is the nine minute, uh, sort of free form, um, what the, the sort of, uh, uh, melodic and, and, uh, harmonic adventure. If you skip that, uh, it clocks in at a totally manageable 55 or, or 54 minutes. Um, but, uh, you know, and there's some, there's some, Good. Uh, uh, there's some good tracks on it. Even even if to me it is all a kind of dream poppy sort of shoegazy wash a little bit. But we'll get into that later. I don't know, well, Do you- well, Matt. If you want this album to seem shorter and more concise, uh, might I recommend that you uh, skip forward one album in the Smashing Pumpkins discography to Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness, which lives up to both uh, halves of its name, <laughs> um, or, or like every part is both quite melancholy. Uh, and 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 it is infinite and sad. Right? Yeah. It makes three promises and holds up all of them. <laughs> isn't it? But isn't it like um, uh, it's a double album, right? Oh, oh yes. Yeah. Um, so it's less. It, wait, you say shorter and more concise. It is in fact less concise. Oh, I think no. I thought I said less concise. Oh, sorry. Okay. I, you if, if you want this to seem so, if you want Siamese Dream to seem like a real, like a dream, uh, then go over to um, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. If you, want, if you want Siamese Dream to sound like a Ramones album, yeah. No, but and and I, I will say though that uh that for me i was um and i think this is partially just kind of age and generational that i was more of a melancholy and the uh infinite sadness guy um because this came out in uh siamese dream was out in 93 so i was um 11 um whereas um melancholy came out i think two or three years later um so i was like much more firmly um entrenched in teenagerhood (laughs) at that point uh and and so I uh, had that, uh, you know, I did not have um, Siamese Dream, 
uh, at the time that it was out on, on CD, but did have melancholy. Um, and so this was an album for me where I experienced the singles, right? Um, today and disarm, especially, um, um, but also cherub rock and, um, rocket. Uh, so, so I, and, and I think that we'll maybe gravitate towards those and not to be, not to say that is not, um, an album length experience and, and doesn't hang together. But I, I think that this is another one where, I mean, there are on the one hand, it's not exactly a skyscrapers in the desert uh, album, um, but it is like several very tall skyscrapers um, amongst many reasonably high buildings. Not not unlike uh, Billy Corgan's uh, native Chicago, right? <laughs> um, right. It's it's kind of the Chicago skyline of albums, um, and and so I think we'll have to take you know our trip up the um, the Sears Tower. <laughs> um, it's called uh, something. It's called something else now. Is, is the Willis? Is it the Willis Tower now? What, what um, you talking about, Willis Tower? <laughs> I, I think it is. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, so I, I think that we'll take our trip up to the observation deck of the, of, of the tall buildings. Um, but maybe also check out some of the other, um, some, some of the other properties, uh, as well. All right. So suggested activities for sampling this album this week include moping, contemplating the futility of life, moping, complaining, getting your mom to do your laundry, moping. Uh, I mean, sad, sad running, <laughs> Run, running <laughs> with tears streaming down your your cheeks, either from overexertion or from just uh, a sense of the ultimate futility of things. Um, definitely, uh, you know, definitely uh, what we recommend for for appreciating this album. So, okay, put this podcast on pause. Go and and listen to uh, to uh, Siamese Dream and the slightly less infinite the finite sadness um of of siamese dream and uh once once you've given it a few spins meet us back here after this word from our commercial sponsor are you eating a sandwich yeah yeah right now i'm eating it yeah and it sounds it sounds pretty dry to me is that right it's like sandpaper in my mouth now, if you want that uh, that sandwich to go down a little smoother, mm. might I suggest mayonnaise? Hmm. Hold on. Let me go to the fridge. Tell me more while I put some mayonnaise in my mouth. Well, mayonnaise, mm. it's the mayonnaise of mayonnaise. Hmm. Wow. I never thought an emulsion of uh, fat in lemon juice could uh, could do so much to make dry Wonder Bread, uh, Oscar Mayer lunch meat, and a sad slice of genetically modified tomato so palatable. Well, see, it's making you both more articulate and smarter. Mm. It's mayonnaise. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, mayonnaise. And we're back. Ryan, I have a question. Great, because I only had a statement. <laughs> I, well, I feel like today, you know, today we don't talk politics, but but today the uh, uh, the president's nominee for secretary of education was confirmed by a, a craven um, 
cadre of, of Senate Republicans. And so I'm, I want to hearken all the way back to our George W. Uh, education mm. policy mm. inspired uh, original question <laughs> from the, the TFT <laughs> podcast and ask yeah. you, Ryan, is our pumpkins smashing yeah yeah i saw where that was going um, <laughs> i worked out the tradition yeah you know when you put it like that right i had always assumed um i had always interpreted smashing pumpkins um as a description uh of of an activity yes um, right, uh, right. Uh, right but now once you put it like as that a, as a gerund or a, as a gerund or as a participle right either right. smashing pumpkins is fun which is a verbal noun a gerund right. or uh, i smashing pumpkins as i went uh ruined halloween for many children um, <laughs> but, but now i that's a participle now when you when you construct it like this i'm i'm given to a third interpretation which is like uh like like uh, a a, a, a like uh, an Austin Powers British slang of like these these pumpkins are smashing baby yeah <laughs> right and I think isn't it isn't uh, isn't the full name of the band actually the Smashing Pumpkins um I believe it is the Smashing Pumpkins yeah so yes. that's what so that's what Wikipedia tells me anyway um, that the uh, uh, so yeah I think that that is. Uh, uh, I think that that is the correct interpretation that like the, the, the pumpkins are, the pumpkins are smashing, you know, right. it's not, it's not the smashing of pumpkins. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, so, I mean, the question, the question still stands is, is our pumpkins, um, smashing? And I, I guess they, you have to break that down. They, 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 they is, they, they qualify, they, they, they qualified is. Um, and so I think that the, so, and, and, and I think there are two things if we're taking smashing in that sense, um, and, 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 and I guess, okay, so this is like, uh, I, I think I think it's an a- absolutely appropriate name for this band. Um, construed in in staying on kind of smashing pumpkins. So so smashing as a um, as an as an adjective in this kind of British um, sense um, for me evokes a um, a kind of sixties seventies kind of mod into glam period. Um, and what pumpkins for me evokes is um, certainly autumn um but also halloween kind of spookiness um and kind of goth adjacentness um and so i think that um it, you know uh glam glammy goth is is absolutely kind of at least half of smashing pumpkins sound uh if not a little more um and then the other part kind of going back to um the activity to the to the verbal noun um the the activity of smashing pumpkins um it gets you the rest of the way there um well so yeah smashing pumpkins is very punk right because it would make it would make children cry like pumpkins as a as a signifier of halloween of sort of not of like satanic halloween but of like trick-or-treating halloween of like Mm -hmm. family family activities carving a jack-o'-lantern kind of thing and smashing that smashing domesticity smashing uh, uh, straightforward uh, ideas of childhood innocence, um, it, you know, is very punk and is the, is the kind of punk strain um, of the, the, like, the grunge part of this, of well, this well, band. 
and it's punk and even a little more than that it's also kind of hard rock i like i i feel feel like like punks don't necessarily smush smash pumpkins because they're like they've already left the suburbs um where the pumpkins are on the porches and have gone into the cities right like like who smashes the pumpkins like um are like the the freaks of freaks and geeks right which are punk adjacent but are a little more in that hard rock space that kind of hard rock kind of late 70s early 80s kind of burnout kid um uh, and, yeah. and 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 i think that that is there right so that as much as there are this this does connect to elements of kind of punkishness. Um, I think that that's much more in some of the just roots in in the in, in the kind of late eighties in the underground and in um, college rock, right? Another kind of amorphous um, you know genre that was um, drawn around a number of of, of adjacent bands at the time. Um, but I, I think that there's a lot more of, especially in the less spacey and the kind of harder parts of this that are these kind of good, right? I mean, there are just so many um, solos and so many, there's like a fair amount of kind of arena rock theatrics that kind of connect up to that kind of um, you know, rock and roll hooligan type thing. Um, and then there's, there is though, you know, so you say that one of the things that's being smashed when you are smashing pumpkins is domesticity, but weirdly the, the, the last thing that, um, smashing pumpkins makes me think of is that it is also if you're using pumpkins in a in a culinary application uh, you'd be well served to smash them up when you're making a pie (laughs) um and uh and 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 or uh other other stuffing right and uh it's funny i think of i think of smashing the whole pumpkin not like cutting pieces of the gourd and then uh, like mashing the flesh (laughs) yeah yeah i guess i'm thinking of mashing pumpkins (laughs) which is (laughs) which is related to a related but distinct activity from smashing pumpkins. Yeah, yeah, mashing pumpkins is the name of Billy Corgan's autumnal uh, cookbook, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and and well, but then I think that the other thing, I think especially the adjacency of smashing and mashing, because like there are in some. Um, traditions, I know that like mashed potatoes and smashed potatoes are used not quite interchangeably. Um, I think this is a little more in, I've seen it a little bit in some South Asian cooking and some British cooking. Um, I guess actually also in, um, in, in kind of Anglophone in, in the, uh, in the, in the Anglo world, Anglo, Anglophone Africa. Um, I've heard of, I've heard kind of smashed potatoes used, um, instead of or alongside mashed potatoes. And it's often a, a slightly coarser smash um but i, I think that yeah, beyond- the idea is it's they're not whipped they're not like in that right. like perfectly uniform consi- like uh, lunch lady consistency potato flakes like industrial consistency that you get with mashed potatoes by like blend using an immersion blender or like a hand mixer or something right. and blending them all up Right. And, and I think that that last sense of, of smashedness is also here of, of right that, that you've taken actually a lot of all of these influence influences and smashed right these aren't mashups they're smashups right um they're they're and, and that you have um a lot of these different um 
genre moves, right? I talked a little bit about glam, um, about, um, about arena rock, um, about kind of got some of these gothy elements, especially. Yeah, yeah, the, I mean, this is very interesting. Like, uh, because you could like, I guess the, the interesting thing about the smashing pumpkins in the context of like early nineties, you know, commercially successful rock and roll is how, how I guess they get lumped in with grunge and alternative, but how they're not that and how they you can like draw lines to all the, to all of those things. I just wanted to like and it struck me that like as arena rock or as hard rock or as a slightly gothy uh, or glammy thing, there might be uh, they, they might be on a trajectory that goes from like Ozzy Osbourne to Marilyn Manson. Right. Um, but but. They're also on a, a skew trajectory that includes REM, right? Yep. And that is, and that that's what when you said college rock, it made me it made me think of yeah. And it's not they're not it's not uh, a, because like REM has in its kind of southern gothic moments a little bit, and it's like uh, uh, everybody hurts, or it's uh, even like Man on the Moon has this kind of wa- wash. Uh, this sort of wash of sound, right? Like there's this, uh, you know, there's, and we, we associated, I guess when we talked about um, R.E.M., we associated it with Southerness. Um, But here, like the, the relevant uh, datum about pumpkins is that like they rot, they decay after, uh, uh, after being left out after Halloween, right? Like the, and like, it's, it's, it just in, in, any neighborhood I've ever seen after Halloween, there's always like that one house who have left their pumpkins out uh, too long. And, and time, time is the great smasher of all pumpkins. (laughs) I, yeah, I think that that's, that's absolutely right. I mean, I think that the, um, it's interesting to think about Southerness um, and how it influences REM, because I think that, if geography influences um, Smashing Pumpkins, and we mentioned Chicago and kind of the Midwest more generally um, before, that you know, in some ways, I sort of see them kind of they're they're at the crossroads of alternative rock, right? Um, and and that you know, just as all of the all of the train lines and 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 shipping lines and waterways go through Chicago, making it um, this this great kind of interchange, right? I feel like that that Billy. Corgan um, positioned himself at this intersection of many strains of of both kind of underground rock and kind of classic rock, right? And so it's, it is kind of leapfrogging a lot of the 80s. Um, and, and I think that if there are proximate influences um, involved, it is uh, the, the last the last one that we didn't mention um, on this podcast, but we did when we talked about this band is um, My Bloody Valentine and Shoegaze, right? And it's it's absolutely there. But I think that um, and you know it's it's funny because when I listened to re-listened to um, Loveless uh, when we talked about that um, a few months ago, I was like, wow, this sounds a lot like the Smashing Pumpkins. Um, but then when I listened to the Smashing Pumpkins, I'm like, wow. This doesn't sound anything like my, my bloody, bloody Valentine. Valentine. Yeah, <laughs> um, in that because it's because that um, it's more user friendly, isn't it? Right? Yeah, yeah. It is, and it's also though that it, it is. Um, you know, the, the My Bloody Valentine is smashed up with the arena rock and with um, and actually even in the, and and with kind of 
70s singer songwriter a little bit like there's some there's some Fleetwood Mac in here right I mean like Disarm and and uh, you know I guess I, I think about the later on because Smashing Pumpkins um, covered Stevie Nicks right they covered Landslide at one point um, and I think for the longest time um, I had like as as a teenager had trouble to say I, I conflated in my mind Smashing Pumpkins cover of Landslide and their original song Disarm <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, because they kind of had they were sung similarly and arranged similarly. Um, And so, yeah, I I think that that's uh, exactly right. Um, That that there is this, there is this, um, I mean, yeah, so what is, so, so what, what do you make? I mean, were the, the Smashing Pumpkins, I mean, an anomaly? I mean, I think the statement I was going to read for you was that there is a, a quote in some of the reviews around the time of, you know, um, if any, and I'm paraphrasing now, um, because I don't, I don't have the window open, um, but there was a, um, a, a review at the time that the album came out and, uh, actually an Entertainment Weekly, uh, review that says, pity the Smashing Pumpkins. If anyone will be burdened with the dreaded mantle of next Nirvana, it'll be this Chicago band. And so, um, you know, I, I wanted to read that and then say, you know, was was were the Smashing Pumpkins the next Nirvana? Huh. That's interesting. I mean, it's. Uh, I get it, to to a certain extent because they they like I they lasted too long i guess right like the the i if you had um siamese dream and melancholy uh we might feel differently about them um than we do than we do about nirvana which you know uh, whose creative output was cut short tragically too too soon right um and it's interesting that you say this um, because – and I think this is actually is important to this album and to the, the trajectory – is that um, in in the discussions around this album and kind of later interviews um, – and it's there in the lyrics that um, you know Billy Corgan was – was grappling with depression um, and 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 suicidal thoughts, suicidal intentions at the time of recording this album, um, and so this kind of um, counterfactual where he also you know you know did not make it you know and um, and uh, and 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 his career is cut short is 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 actually real right and so kind of thinking about. You know, it's no one, you know, obviously at the time when this was written, right, this was Entertainment Weekly Review from 1993. So um, before suicide. So, right. So what it means to be, I mean, it's it's a it's an interesting thing to um, evaluate a statement at that time um, of like being the next Nirvana, like what it meant to be a Nirvana changed over time <laughs> um and then what it meant for the smashing to what what it meant to be the next nirvana um also kind of changed over time so it's it's very interesting to um evaluate that and so like there's a sense in a, in the sense of like kind of like a like because like i think the writer meant this in the na- narrow sense of the next big um alternative uh band to make it big and in that sense um it was that you know they, they were that in a way um in the sense of kind of replicating 
um, both the tragedy of of Nirvana and how that kind of creates the myth of Kurt Cobain and kind of their influence. They they were not that. But then the third kind of a third way to be the next Nirvana is kind of to view this kind of alternative rock historical dialectic, right? Um, and and I think that there is, you know. Not, that I, I almost think in that way, right? So if you have um, Nirvana, I mean, I, I feel like there is a bit of of what uh, of, of 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 synthesis here, uh, and I, I think that the other kind of connector that is that is relevant um, is that this album shares a producer with uh with nevermind right yeah. with butch vig right is the is the connective tissue here um i don't know maybe it's 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 nirvana thesis um uh, uh smashing pumpkins antithesis um garbage, garbage synth- yeah yeah, yeah. G- garbage synthesis right <laughs> um and uh and and that's the kind of that's the dialectic of the uh, of the 90s yeah never um, never never mind the smashing pumpkins here's the garbage <laughs> and, exactly um yeah that's it the the butch vig uh the butch vig thing is uh connection is is very interesting as well because this doesn't I don't know. It has, uh, to me, it has a slightly more laid back vibe, uh, than, mm-hmm. than smells like teen spirit anyway. I mean, I guess there's a lot of kind of moody noodling on nevermind that you don't really think of. Not everything, you know what I mean? Not everything has that kind of drive. Um, not everything has that, has that drive, but, but- and, and there are some thrashers on Siamese dream, right? Um, that there, there are some, um, uh, a number of songs that rock quite hard, especially in the first half or so. Um, yeah. but go on. Uh, Sorry. Finish the so, thought. uh, well, I don't know. I, uh, uh, Chris Gow, uh, gave it a three word review, right? Uh, which is hooked on Sonics. Yeah, uh, and identifies um, identifies uh, the the particular tracks that he likes uh, as Geek USA and Today, which is I don't know. I get no uh, no um, disarm. No, uh, I don't know. It, it, it just just struck me as a weird uh, Geek USA. Strikes me as a weird place to 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 like to go into it i don't know um i mean i guess the thing about the next nirvana seems like a little bit like uh the next the heir to the question about authenticity and selling out right like and and to that like to be nirvana a little bit means to be forced into that discourse uh whether you want to right like whether you want to or not um well, and, and so, but then the difference in that way is that, like, it, it all signs point to that Billy Corgan very much wanted to be forced into that discourse, <laughs> um, and and so in that respect, they're not the next Nirvana, right? Uh, if Kurt Cobain was a kind of a reluctant star, you know, Billy Corgan um, is both. You know that that there was a lot of of strategy, and even you know their first album um, was on an indie, but it was I think if if memory serves correctly, an independent subsidiary of a major label already, right? So that there was already kind of positioning, right? And so I think um, 
I, I think I think he wanted to have his Nirvana and eat his Nirvana too. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, um, and and that's like there's a sense like I remember at the time reading an interview with Billy Corgan and like the the thing about Billy Corgan is, is that everyone thinks Billy Corgan is an asshole, right? Like he's he's apparently not the easiest guy to work for. But uh, he was describing and, and this was in the 90s when I was reading Rolling Stone or something like that. He was in the 90s. He was describing. Um, uh, the Smashing Pumpkins and said, I took these people who could barely play their instruments and I made a band, you know? So there's a little kind of P.T. Barnum kind of hucksterism um, uh, about him. But then, so a little bit, where does he get off? Like uh, in chair? Right, because like, you know, because you, know, you know who else did that is, um, is Kim Deal, but she didn't go around bragging about that. <laughs> right, like, you know, she, she like um, g- gathered a, a, a group of people who didn't know how to play their instruments um and then and then they and then they experimented and noodled and had a blast right whereas billy corgan did that right and then got really angry about why they weren't playing their instruments awesomely and recorded the album himself yeah that's, well, that, and a little bit this is the difference between like a bottom-up and top-down management style right, right? <laughs> like like uh we're going to like the album is going to emerge from the kind of the group experience the ex- the you know collective experience of this group of people is one way of going about it, and uh, the album is going to be what I tell you, and your job is to kind of achieve the standard that my vision is setting. Um, you know, is uh, is another. I mean, to a certain extent, I guess, like with these huge, these kind of edifices. Uh, you know, the the um, the structure that that. Uh, I think of is like the merchandise mart uh, in Chicago. Uh, right on the river, there's this, uh, you know, there's this um, just north of the river, this massive uh, commercial building um, that had its own zip code. Like this, this single structure uh, had its own zip code for uh, for the longest time until, uh, according to Wikipedia, until 2008. And so, a little bit, I wonder if if uh, Billy Billy Corgan is not so much uh, the next Kurt Cobain. Uh, as much as Billy Corgan is the Robert Moses of <laughs> uh, of '90s rock and roll, you know, um, with just a huge, just gonna like scoop out entire city blocks and pour like a bathtub foundation and create these uh, create these kind of magnificent edifices, but but that have no sort of access to the street, no uh, no um, kind of authentic connection with the neighborhood around them. You know what I mean? I mean that's that's fascinating because what it makes me think about um is is something that also we talked about i think more in the early days of of, of tft um and, and less recently uh is the political scientist uh uh jim scott james c scott uh and his book seeing like a state uh which kind of talks about this type of um planning um and what he and as, as larger kind of phenomenon of what he describes as authoritarian high modernism <laughs> right um and these kinds of attempts at radical social planning, um, and 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 he argues why why they fail. Um, I, I think that Siamese Dream obviously is not a case at a, at a, at a, is not a state, <laughs> um, uh, but is is a. Uh, a 
I mean, it's interesting. I think that the Smashing Pumpkins writ large are a kind of authoritarian high modernism state <laughs> that, uh, that, that kind of does not, uh, that is not organically sustained. Um, but I think that Siamese dream is like that brief moment where it does work, right? In part because, um, you know, through working with Vig, I mean, it, this is a, a studio album, right? This is something, and there were, um, you know, great tours around this, um, and, and, uh, and was reproduced live. So this is not that, you know, this is just Billy Corgan's, you know, bedroom album or, or his kind of, um, you know, studio wizardry, um, uh, writ large. But I, I do think that there is, um, a sense where the, the, it was not a, this, the Smashing Pumpkins were not sustained sustainable right um, <laughs> um and and because of this kind of um this sense of of and, and you know it, it, it the album wound up way behind schedule and way over budget um and every phase of you know that there were just days and days and days spent on on you know one set of on the guitar tracking right for for one song um and you know it, it was you know the mastering um uh, they mastered the album booked a studio for two days um and mastering took like 35 days uh-huh. <laughs> um right and and so that there is but i think that there is by by being able to exercise that that control um there is uh it 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 does work right and and i think that you know obviously you start to see the the um the downside of that um for as much as i love many of the songs of melancholy and the infinite sadness um and uh and and it is it's it's much more of a mess right what's the thing about authoritarianism is once you eliminate the checks and balances no one can tell you <laughs> that maybe you don't need to do a double album that's that's not the only thing about authoritarianism um but that right that that you you stop right um once once you're able to be a benevolent dictator you can just be a a self-aggrandizing kleptocrat just as easily <laughs> um and so and and so it, it it ends up um, getting there. But I think at this point, what that level of control and kind of central planning is, is kind of allowing this to be both a rock band album that is also kind of a singer songwriter album that is also kind of a, um, you know, a, it's also kind of a, a, um, a pet sounds. It's kind of a Brian Wilson um, noodling away in the studio to to get his album um, to get to kind of get these sounds that are existing inside his head um, a lot, right? Um, and so it's kind of all of those things um, coexisting. Um, and so, and, and I think that maybe this is a good time to kind of pivot to some songs. It is, yeah, um, it is. I mean, just uh, pausing only to to remark that that pet pet sounds has uh, aged better. Right, like I hmm. feel like, or or at least like the, or hmm, hmm, it's not qu- quite what I mean because this is a good listen even now. What I mean is that Pet Sound still sounds novel today, right? Hmm. Pet Sounds still sounds pathbreaking, um, whereas whereas Siamese Dream doesn't sound pathbreaking, right? It sounds like uh, uh, kind of dream dream pop, right? Like it sounds like. Uh, Stuff that's been sort of it's been co-opted into a into a kind of a readily available uh, commodified commodified style in a way that the kind of the weirdness of 
of uh, Smashing Pumpkin uh, of uh, uh, Pet Sounds hasn't. Like it's funny. It's 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 uh, it's outsidery, but it's not weird. You know, it's 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 neither freak nor geek, right? Right. Uh, whereas Brian Wilson was most most definitely geek. You know, and that uh, and a little bit freak. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, uh, where, I, you know, I don't know, uh, where, where do you want it to jump? Let's, in? let's go, let's go up the Willis tower, right? Let's, uh, let's go, let's go to today. Um, because, um, that is, I mean, I don't know. I think today is one of those, we talk about kind of defining sonic moments. I mean, I don't, you know, remember exactly where I was, where I, I heard first, when I first heard the guitar intro, um, to, um, today, but I, 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 I recall not having heard anything like that before. <laughs> um ah. and, and 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 it being, you know, it capturing my 11-year-old imagination. Um in that it is um it was delicate uh and and kind of childlike um and and then immediately and then rocking right and again it's getting back to to the smashing pumpkins right it, um uh it it says here's the pumpkin and now i smash right <laughs> um and as a um as a as a boy uh about to become a teenage boy <laughs> that that kind of um both the pumpkin and the smashing of it um just kind of spoke to me so directly. Um, and there, and there's something about that, that moment and, and a kind of capturing of that loud soft. Um, and, and we talked about that, you know, that that was a, a line that one kind of drew from the pixies through to Nirvana, this kind of playing with dynamic dynamics, playing with loud soft. Um, but, this may be for me the definitive loud soft of the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, I mean, that is interesting. Yeah. The thing, um, that, that guitar, that picking figure sounds almost like a music box or something, right? Yeah, like exactly. Like, right. sounds like bells or, or, or something like or that. Or an ice cream uh, truck. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and the, um, also the idea that like the verse like the the vocal in the verse has this sort of ethereal high yeah. g- quality that is almost a kind of prepubescent uh, I mean, and I, I, it's tempting for us to to put a construction on this as you know, it's about becoming a teenager because we were becoming teenagers at the time, <laughs> like we were we were tweens. Uh, well, I guess I was I was thirteen by the time this record came out, or soon would be. But the the um, uh, but the, there is definitely something something in that, like, and that also just the like. Uh, that sense of impatience of kind of childlike impatience or, or uh, more to the point, adolescent impatience in like, uh, I can't live for tomorrow. Tomorrow's much too long, right? Like yeah. every, you know, every, every teenage boy at, at least exhibits some features of sort of hyperactivity and like, uh, you know, um, uh, being, there's this kind of like relentless drive to, to sort of go do things now, 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 now. Um, and when you hear Billy Corgan singing, I'll burn my eyes out before I get out. Like that is definitely, definitely the, the sort of existential situation of being an adolescent. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, being a Jack Bauer of the self, right? Like, like we don't have time for personal development. (laughs) Um, right. That, that, um, it's there, right? Like, 
um, you know, I can't wait for tomorrow. I might not have that long. Um, and then, like you said, I'll tear my um, later on, right? The second verse, I'll tell, tear my heart out um, before I get out. Um, yeah. And then, but then, I mean, kind of getting in, in the harder parts, right? Um, uh, it, it kind of gets turned, right? Because it's that, that then, it, it, and kind of in the um, second, uh, and I'm trying to think about how to describe this strong structure. It's not exactly, it's not exactly a chorus. Um, I guess it's kind of bridge or pre-chorus, right? Pink ribbon scars that never forget. Um, I tried so hard to cleanse these regrets. My angel wings were bruised and restrained. My belly stings. Um, right. And that you get, I mean, especially on pink ribbon scars that never forget, right? This kind of reference to, to bodily harm, um, whether it's self-harm or it, it, there's both kind of an allusion to self-harm and to kind of wounds that, that live with you, right? And, and so that there's this interesting, especially by talking about kind of scars and um, forgetting, right, that um, even though it's the song you know the sensible focus of the song is today and the and a kind of urgency for tomorrow um then uh in these kind of parts um like yesterday is 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 kind of this implied fuel that's giving this urgency to tomorrow right um the other i mean i mean the other thing is that the genius is the genius is a genius and for me that this is you know uh that this song was written for from a point of view of sort of dealing with 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 uh, depression and suicidal thoughts, right, and right. so that the idea is like uh, it's highly it's highly ironic, or it's wishful, or yeah. it's you know it's whatever being being the. Um, the uh uh the kind of the the praise of the the praise of the day and the kind of the sense of the sense of contentment or the sense of of a kind of um lust and excitement for life uh the the like angel wings are a are a figure are a, like a, a an image that that recurs right like in in yeah. um uh, oh, what what are they? There's a certain kind of angel wings in Cherub Rock. I think they're gluon angel rings or like snap-on angel wings. Oh yeah, uh, uh, those angels with their wings glued on. And the you know the idea that like I don't know your angel you know your angel wings are uh, I don't know if it's just celebrities that have angel wings or that like if everyone in their like brilliant secret soul has angel wings, um, you know, and you sort of dishonor them by uh, selling out or something like that, that, uh, 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 you know, you sort of do do damage to your angel wings. But it's um, I don't know. It's a it's a it's an it's an image that he seems to be. Uh, taken with and like angels are are they're apparitions they're sort of divine messengers you know there's a lot of uh uh they do a lot of jobs that like that image covers a lot of ground in terms of like the self-conception of what celebrity is what artistry is and and so on and kind of like both i mean and there is a also a a connection to well to to eternal life or or afterlife right and and so it's 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 there as as well i do want to i mean just kind of thinking about i think the suicidal thoughts are are definitely um there but it is well while it is possibly ironized or kind of sarcastic of today's the greatest day i do also though especially in kind of thinking about yesterday today tomorrow i i also think that 
it's a little bit of a kind of tallest of the seven dwarves kind of situation. It's like, you know, it's like today can, you could actually be not sarcastic, right? Like if you're suffering from depression, you could actually say, it's not like you could say today, these two things can be true. Today is the greatest day that I've ever known. And also today is a really shitty day, right? Those two things could be true at the same time. Um, and, and so I, cause I, I don't think, I think it does a little bit of a disservice to read it only as sarcastic, um, because there is a sense of, there is hope there. And, and there's also despair, but but it's not only kind of sarcastic despair, um, because it would be, because then it would be kind of nirvana, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and and so that the and but it does and you know talking about the wings, right? It does it does actually soar, right? These are functional wings rather than ornamental wings or sarcastic wings. Uh-huh. Like these are not these are not wings that are kind of put on as part of it. You know, these are not Halloween costume wings that are put on and say, "Hey, dude, check out my wings," <laughs> right? Like you know, there is a real um, there's an attempt to fly. <laughs> Um, and, and there are these, um, and again, it gets back to, you know, the, the lyrics and, and, and their kind of despair and their kind of, um, um, the, the feelings that they're expressing are coupled with this intense artistry, right? With the intense kind of working on and perfecting the tracks. Um, so, so that, so that like, you know, what that that uh that 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 you know today will even though today is the greatest day that he has ever known it will not be the greatest day that he has ever known <laughs> right <laughs> like I, I i actually think that there is kind of you know a hope for upward trajectory um that is that is there and it's it's not it's, i'm not saying this is relentlessly optimistic or a beat um but to kind of say that it is only sarcastic as the as the geniuses at rap genius did kind of d- like denies like the actual song <laughs> that is there for you to listen well, to. Well, right, and also also what your what your experience is of it, right? right? Like it's not necessarily it's not necessarily totally apparent. And like I, you know, uh, there, you know, there's there's a different. I mean, the author is uh, is you know on to, it's Schrodinger's author, right? Like the author is in a box, and like whether he's dead or alive is uh, uh, is left as an exercise to the listener. But the the um, you know the the extent to which you have to take uh, uh you have to take what he says about his lyrics at face value or like really and especially now we're kind of getting into music and we've we've talked about this that you and I listen to as kids and have like strong feelings about because we were kids when we listened to it right um yeah. that that like we are in the we are in the like the crux of when the the musical sensibility was formed and like and also when you just you have a ton of time to sit around and listen to records yeah. uh you know um a way that you don't anymore so like that experience my my point is that experience is real and shouldn't be um discounted because of the genius as a genius <gasps> 
Yeah, I think that's I think that's right. And I think that I mean, I kind of I, I think then um, on that theme, I think the other kind of let's jump over to our other skyscraper. Right. Which is which is disarm. Um, and uh, and and uh, and and I think that that is the other one that is yeah, the one is about suicide. And this one's about child abuse. This one's yeah yeah yeah. Uh, I mean, is that what is that what I've not um, what the uh, yes that is what the geniuses say. Well, it's um, like yeah exactly like cut that little child uh, inside of me and such a part of you, right? I used to be that little boy, uh, you know, and and this is a little bit about like yeah I don't know really all the details of of Billy Corgan's bi- biography, but like the uh, you know uh, there was there was an abusive stepmother, um, I believe. Um, it, is, is what I I recall. Got it. Um, so, um, so what you're saying what you're saying is the sunrise tree. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, um, uh, yeah. Uh, what I'm saying is that he's, but he's definitely, but like, but Billy Corgan was not listening to dance music, <laughs> dance music, <laughs> right? Um, I no, mean, I think- no. He was the the killer. I mean, the killer in me, the killer in me is the killer in you. I mean, part of the strength of this, like, as a little poem about uh, about sort of the the strife between the generations and like the, the trouble of having parents and, and the trouble of being one, um, is that the killer in me is the killer in you, right? Like these things are sort of, these things are sort of passed down. And as a, you know, as a descendant of someone, you you never feel whether or not, you know, as, as a child, you're not in control. So you are sort of innocent of like, uh, the, the, whatever, um, sort of abuse is, is visited on you. But like, a, as you grow and as you sort of come to recognize the things that, that your uh, lineage has instilled in you, um, you, you don't feel innocent of them, right? Because the killer in me is the killer, uh, is the killer in you. The killer in you is the killer in me. Um, that like I, and, and there's this sense of kind of complicity through descent that, uh, that he seems to be kind of struggling with and working through here um, by talking about uh, uh, by talking about not not just kind of a street a litany of criticism but also uh, something that sounds a little bit like an admission of guilt yeah and I, I think that it's I, I think that in, in kind of continuing to work through this, I think the other thing um, that it's worth kind of drawing attention to is the, the, the word in the title of the song and, and in the first line of disarm you with a smile um, and kind of like smashing pumpkins. I feel like there are multiple valences here, right? So that there is like there, I mean, and it's also, you know, it's like, I am not, you know, he's not, um, you know, 11 from stranger things. <laughs> um, and with a smile, using only his smile and his mind, you know, um, like taking away a weapon. Um, and, and and this idea, right, of disarming both by meaning like actually taking away the weapon, but also kind of catching someone off guard, right? And kind of um, kind of um, catching them with their guard down, I think is is interesting, especially because then what comes next is disarm you, right? There's, there's, there's this um there there's this this oh tension between disarm disarming the person and then you and um and 
cut you like you want me to, right? Um, I'm trying to make make sense well, yeah, of it's, it. It's sort of being drawn in. The idea is like being drawn into an enactment, right? Like being drawn into mm-hmm. being drawn into a fight with someone and and getting you to act yeah. out in a way that will provoke punishment or that mm-hmm. you know or that just kind of furthers the like furthers the kind of ugly uh, ugly. Um, uh, right. system like family family system um, no and, and like you say it's it's it, it becomes circular right and and that circularity is there in the chorus too right what i choose is my choice uh-huh yeah. um right as a tautology what uh, I, what i choose is my choice what's a boy supposed to do right like the the um you know which is a little bit saying a little bit saying well who'd blame me but also who could possibly blame me but also saying like what what is actually asking the question like what is the boy, what is a boy supposed to do right right like, right and, and like the right. the idea of sort of disarming disarming with a smile um it 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 makes me think of um in in classical psychoanalysis one of the earliest one of the most primitive defenses is omnipotence where the the child uh imagines that they are all powerful and can kind of control things around them and it's a it's a way of coping mentally it's a way of a not quite all their mind uh not quite developed fully yet mind coping emotionally with a real experience of powerlessness right and it's uh uh the idea the idea that the child has that they are uh, my point is that it it belongs to uh it belongs that uh despite the kind of the like the character the kind of the almost arrogant character of that assertion it belongs to um a psyche that is actually in way over its head and is in like mm-hmm. really is in like uh, uh, serious trouble and sort of feeling powerless and, and feeling uh, unable to cope. Well, and then again, I think it's very interesting to um, kind of take what we're kind of getting out of these lyrical themes, but back to what we know about the production of the album and how it sounds, right? Because that that then in that kind of in in kind of this narrative about abuse and kind of these psychological uh, effects of kind of abuse, depression, etc. Then again, um, what you kind of see here it casts kind of control in a different light, right? Um, and 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 that there is this. Sense of, and it's not just saying, well, you know, Billy Corgan was an asshole because bad things happened to him, but that there is a sense of, um, of, of this kind of, as, uh, you know, attempts to kind of control and make perfect, um, and, 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 uh, and make kind of beautiful you know make make beauty where there is pain or something, right? Which yeah, is to, again to, to, to turn the smashing into something smashing. Right, exactly, um, and 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 I think that disarm is a great example of this, right? For all, and and again, if you just read this as a poem, just read the lyrics, um, you know, the pain is there. But what is what makes the song so lasting, um, and and really kind of connected with me, um, you know, when I was when. Um, well, when I used to be a little boy, um, was the what is the way it's sung, especially the um, 
um, the uh, the killer the killer in me is the killer in you, um, and the way that that Corgan sings it. Oh, super! Um, yes, yeah, super great rock and roll vocal, just like pushing right. pushing the voice to a uh, a kind of straining sound that mm-hmm. is a, that's a signifier of kind of emotional catharsis and and a kind of like uh, a kind of apotheosis, a kind of going beyond a. a, a you know, a, a kind of freedom beyond the constraints of of everyday life, right? Well, right, and and it's and and what's amazing though is that that's within the context of of a song that then the instrumentation builds, right? So that as it kind of starts early on, um, you have primarily acoustic, strummed acoustic guitar, um, and then as you go on, you have um, strings, and then I think the other really noteworthy. Um, uh, instrumentation for me are the chimes, yeah, right? Like it's the a, tubular bells or whatever. The, they yeah, are, the tubular yeah. bells. Um, and and it's 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 it gives it this sense of of grandeur. Um, and and that it's definitely not like necessarily stately and restrained, but it kind of gives this sense of kind of um, you know, it it, it complements the apotheosis, right? But there's a kind of rock apotheosis and a kind of you know a classical or almost religious <laughs> apotheosis. Or yeah, exactly. Yeah, tubular bells are the i mean you're the percussionist but like those are the ones that sound like church bells but they're in a big rack and that you yep, play correct. them play them with mallets at the top right, right. and yeah, 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 yeah and that's like uh yeah definitely it definitely has this like it has this sort of liturgical quality uh mm-hmm. like it's uh like it's an exorcism right like it sort of imports a it imports a feel in into the song um a feeling of being um uh, uh, hmm, on a big canvas, you know what I mean? Like the vision, yeah. the vision is on a big canvas and that is, I mean, I think that is an accomplishment, uh, of this. And it's, it's, it's true of a lot of gothy things generally. Um, like meatloaf was on a big canvas. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? I found myself thinking of meatloaf when I was listening <laughs> to this album, right? <laughs> we talked about Nirvana, uh, Brian Wilson, um, Ozzy Osborne and uh, Kurt Cobain and now Meatloaf. Uh, like what it it really it's is. All, it's all the pumpkins and they're all smashed. <laughs> it's, a smashed it's a smashed uh, pumpkins. Well, it might be time for the killer in me and the killer in you to uh, kill this episode of the podcast. Uh, so- yeah, I mean, because we, we went up these uh, skyscrapers uh, by, we took the stairs. <laughs> um, so, you know, even though we only climbed two, uh, we, uh, we, we got our steps in for yeah, the day. Absolutely. Yeah, my Fitbit is telling me that I climbed like uh, I don't know eighty something floors today, so I'm I'm uh, I'm feeling pretty good. So uh, let us know what you think of this uh, 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 album. Let us know what you think of Smashing Pumpkins, of Billy Corgan generally. Uh, let us know uh, whether the killer in me is the killer in you. You can hit the show notes on the uh, show notes on the um, uh, the comments on the show notes for this episode. We're on on uh, Twitter at TFG podcast on Facebook theory for turntables there. Uh, and we will be back with you next time. So, uh, whether your influences are, uh, arena rock are, uh, you know, gothy are shoegaze are, uh, Brian Wilson's, a uh, freaky geeky weirdness are, uh, Kirk Cobain's bitterness or are, uh, Billy Corgan's smash up of all of these, uh, please until next time. Keep it real.